special. End of quote. The God of the universe has spoken forth, and he fully disagrees. The lover of our souls, the creator of the world, and the creator of you and me, says we are absolutely, amazingly different and unique. We are, as human beings, the pinnacle of all of creation, truly. That's why the psalmist cries out, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came into being. And so this morning as we study Genesis 1, 26 through 28, the one thing that I don't want you to miss about us, mankind, children of God, is how incredibly beautiful and valuable you are to the creator of the universe. He is the lover of your souls. He made you very special. Your life is not an accident. However you were formed in this physical body is not an accident. Even Albert Einstein said of God, God doesn't play dice. He didn't even know God very well, but he knew that of God. God doesn't play dice. No mistakes, no risks. God is creator. Everything is specific. Everything has purpose. And the thing that has the most purpose and the most value is you and me. That we would understand our value to life. That we would bring forth value of people so that those who are struggling with their identity and who they are, while we see people right at the edge going, my life is of no value, I'm going to jump because they've been taught their whole life they're worth nothing. They're just like a primate, just like an ape. And God says, I disagree. I made you, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are made in this image of our Creator. And one of the things that we see in our creation as we begin is God says, let us, plural, Make man in our image, plural. And we see all of a sudden this conversation taking place and what is going on. And as a student of scriptures, as you guys look at your Bibles, you have to ask the question, well, who is the us? Who is the our? What's going on all of a sudden where God is speaking in the plural? What is taking place in his creation now? And one of the things that I need to remind you of as we dive into this is that theologians for hundreds of years have written many incredible volumes in trying to understand 
this plurality that is taking place. And so I assume for all of us it will continue to be a wrestle to understand it, but let me give you some ideas of where it may be taking us and where I think the Lord is taking us as he gives us this passage. Some have said, well, the us is the way that royalty spoke. They would say of themselves that we will conquer this kingdom as they speak of themselves as king and authority. They often, many times, thought they were deity, right? And so they would speak in the form of speaking of their deity, let us rule this land. And that that's where the plurality came from. And so God is speaking in his royal kingdom, in his royal court, and so it seems appropriate that he would speak in the plural frame. That's one thought for what's going on. Others have said, well, of course, he is speaking to the angels. That he's in his royal court and he's gathering all the angels around. And he is saying to the angels, let us now create man in our image. And let us do this together. Well, the problem with that about the angels, and as you look into angels, is they are created beings. They are not ones who created, but they are created themselves. They do not have the authority, they do not have the power to create. And I want to remind you out of Hebrews chapter 1, as the author of Hebrews lays out God's perspective of the angels, says this, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And so he became as much superior to the angels as the name that he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son? For to which of the angels did God ever say, I will be his father? He cried out, God said to his angels, You shall worship him, that is his son Jesus. And into speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, his servants, they are flames of fire. But about the son, he says, Your throne. O God will last forever, and righteousness will be a scepter of your kingdom. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not the angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Do you know who that is? That's you and me as children of God. They are ministering spirits for us. That is the purpose of their creation. And so I do not believe that God is seeking out some insight from his angels into the creation of us. The pinnacle, the majesty, the glory of all of creation. And then there is the view of the Trinity. 
that God gives us from the very beginning a view into His being as Trinity before the theology was ever developed. Even the word that God uses about Himself in the beginning here in Genesis is Elohim, which is plural. And it gives us just a hint about God's identity of the Trinity. It's a theology, again, that can't be grasped, really, even even in the New Testament times, even in modern day understanding. I think that's why the Lord always says, your ways are not my ways. You cannot comprehend me fully. But I will give you insight into who I am, especially through my Son, so that you might know me. But we don't have the understanding, again, the concept of Trinity until... New Testament until Jesus comes in the flesh and dies on the cross and is risen again. Until His Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. At the baptism of Jesus, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And, and the Spirit looking like a dove descended down upon Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Only until then do we have the idea of Trinity. The author of Genesis, Moses, we believe, didn't have that concept, but I think God is giving it to us anyway before our full grasping of what's taking place. And in the beginning was the Word, John 1 says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life, breath. He breathed into man. And there was life, and this life was the light of men. And that's the offer to each and every one of us through Jesus Christ. That he gives us life, salvation, redemption. But in this trinity, in this amazing relationship, in this beautiful intimacy of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God does his best work. And as we'll see in the creation accounts, and he breathes life, Hadam, Adam, mankind, he makes. Not some accident. Not some just side thought. Like, well, let's still make some stuff, because it's fun. The absolute pinnacle of all of creation is you and me. And I hope you never forget that. Not in a prideful way, but in a way that you understand your value before the lover of your souls, God Almighty. He gives us a glimpse into his union again, into the intimacy of the Trinity. Have you ever, you ever been invited to just a real, just beautiful kind of a party, but a small, intimate party? Maybe six people, maybe. And, and it's just this wonderful depth of relationship. You really get a dive into each other's life. You get a share of life. And, and you just, it, it, it's sit long, talk much, right? The whole evening is just about loving each other. And it's beautiful. I picture God this way. That he has this, within himself, this beautiful, intimate party of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, just enjoying loving one another. And then what he does is he breathes life into man 
And he says, you're invited in to this party. Welcome to this relationship in communion with God, O man, my most awesome creation of all. That we would enjoy the beauty and the intimacy of him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And all I can say to that is, wow, God's amazing love poured out into us. And we now have a relationship with him as we believe in his son, Jesus Christ. Invited in to that relationship that existed from the beginning of time. And so this Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, says, let us all together create man, Adam, mankind, in our image, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we go, well, what does that look like for us to be made in the image of God? How crazy is that? That we are made in His image. Well, the word image comes from, from shade. And, and the idea is, again, not only the shade, obviously, as you sit under a big tree, but as the branches and the sun comes behind, it creates that shadow that casts out. And so it's a shadow that reflects the real image of the tree. And the Lord says we are made... In the image of, we are a reflection of, we, are, we look like, we have the qualities of that, not the original, but it's a representation of this tree. In the, in the Greek, the word used for image is icon. Many of you, maybe who were raised in the Catholic Church or have some connections with Greek Orthodox, lots of icons, paintings, images of the saints and uh, of the different folks and of Jesus and, and all kinds of images, icons, to represent, to reflect the original. Now I want us to think about, here's Moses writing, penning these words through the power of the Lord in his spirit. And you go, well, what was Moses' upbringing? Moses was in the court of Pharaoh. Moses was surrounded by what? All kinds of gods and images of gods, raw. His whole being was surrounded again by these powerful gods. And Pharaoh himself would have images laid out. Pharaoh who thought he was a god. And so Moses, in thinking and in putting down these words that are inspired by the Lord, says we are made in the image of God. Elohim. Later he would be known as I am, Yahweh. One of the things that would take place, as many of you know your history, is the great kings or the pharaohs, as they conquered land, would go out and they would set up images unto themselves. They would have a main stay, a main place where they would rule. But they conquered more land than just their immediate area. And so obviously they couldn't be there physically to rule their land. And so giant idols would go up. Giant representations, statues of the great Caesar. Of Pharaoh, of the gods. And what was the purpose of those? 
the purpose of those incredible statues, those images, like we see in Daniel 3 with Nebuchadnezzar and building up these incredible things, was to remind the people in this land, as you look there, may you never forget who is in authority here. May you never forget who is in charge of this land. Who has rulership and kingship here? And so you can only wonder, as Moses pens these words, saying that we are made in the image of God, that our lives are to be a representation that when people look at our lives, that we are a reminder of who is in authority here. Who is the one who is supreme? Who is the one who loves us to the core? Who is the one who actually is in charge of everything that's going on that we would reflect and represent that to this world? We are made in the image of God. I think that's partly what Moses is getting at in our creation. And then again, our lives have value. And as we study the New Testament, that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation. We are salt and light. When people see our lives, they know as they come into contact with us of this amazing, loving Lord, Jesus Christ. And they come to acknowledge that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. As little children, when we think of being made in the image of God, we go, wow, well, what does God look like? Is he this big, giant guy with a great gray beard and he's just, just awesome and powerful? And, and we get these physical images in our mind, don't we? We still have it today and as you show up into Italy and then the Sistine Chapel, you know, God reaching out and touching man. And those are the images that are in our heads. John 4.24 says, God is spirit. God is spirit. So what does it mean to be made in his image? It's not a physical representation, although God, for whatever reason, chose to use these bodies to have his son come into. So that's pretty awesome in and of itself. Eyes and ears to hear and to speak forth and to bless and use our hands to serve. But to be made in the image of God. I think part of it means that we have personality. We have knowledge. We have feelings. We have a will to choose. We possess morality. We know how to make godly moral judgments. We have a conscience. We feel shame. We, we struggle with things. We don't just act and then there's no consequence in our thinking. We possess a spirituality as we're made in the image of God. It is our spirit that is in communion with the Almighty. The animal doesn't possess that. They are not made in that image. They do not commune with God, even though the London Zoo would like to think so. We possess the character of his being, Remember, we're made in the image of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What do we know to be the fruit of the Spirit? Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, 
These are things that come forth from us in our creation in the image, the reflection of, the representation of, the character of God is how we are created. In the image, as we sang, of beautiful one. We possess the spiritual makeup of Christ in all his being as children of God. Colossians 3 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. And God was pleased to have all of his fullness God was pleased to have all of His fullness, His being, to dwell in His Son, Jesus Christ. It pleased Him. And through Him to reconcile Himself to all things. Now remember as we studied in Romans? Christ in us. What is our true identity? Christ in us. We are reminded in Colossians, it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me who lives. So do you understand? As we watch the life of Christ, who is the exact image of God in this bodily form, then we start to recognize how we're made in the image of God and all of that love and the way He ministered and all of that beauty of His character and the way He cared for people and the way He served people. That is the image of God and that is our creation. And may we not forget that about us. And again, that Christ's life is living in us and out through us. Let us make man in our image of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And one of the things about our creation, which is truly wonderful, is we are created in the image of relationship. Do you understand that? Our creation came out of this incredible, beautiful relationship of the Trinity. It began with relationship. It formed out of relationship. And so to be made in the image, we are automatically made in the image of relationship to be in commune with God and with one another. You know, I know some of us in this room are introverts, and I know some of us are extroverts. But for those of us who are introverts... We've got to be careful not to play that card that disconnects us from people. I understand the struggle. I know it's not easy to be in big rooms like this or to gather at these big events. But God is saying, even to the introvert, you are meant to be in relationship. I've created you out of relationship. Your core being is relationship. And as the scriptures remind us, and they will know of your love for one another, they will know of Christ because of your love for one another. That means that we begin a journey in stepping out into loving one another. Maybe it's just one person, that's fine. But don't ever miss your being and your purpose is meant to be in relationship. You're not meant to be an island, you're not meant to be by yourself. And even though that is a struggle, I know for some of you, you need to step outside of that with the help of the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, help me to love another being. It's the prayer of every husband and wife as they say, I do. And Lord, help me to love this other person. Because we're created in the image in this beautiful relationship. I'm spending a lot of time on image again because I think 
It's the most important part of this passage. We'll see that the creation has purpose, and it has purpose to rule over, to have authority over. To subdue, that means to put to good use all that God has given you. But I don't want you to miss the pinnacle of God's creation, which is us. This is why, again, so many lives are taken, because there's no value to them. So what if I take an unborn child? So what if I just kill this person? So what if I just jump off this cliff? There's no value to life. And we're losing that, aren't we? And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to not only in ourselves know that, but to speak that truth into a lost and hurting generation of their value. In our creation and in this creation account, we see the pattern of creation broken in the way that it's spoken of. We first see it because of the plurality, right? All of a sudden, God speaks in the plural. So you have this pattern of, let it be, let it be, and God said, and God said, and here it is, and it was done. Now all of a sudden, we see God again speaking in the plural in this relationship with the Trinity. It's a break, and it's purposeful to bring the reader's attention to the point of, this is important. Don't miss the creation of you and me. Don't miss it. And what we saw in the creation, especially of the plants and the animals, you see, and this was made in in its kind, and this was made in its kind, and this one was made in the kind of this. And so the reader is expected as you go on, and as man is created, and you get to, you would think, if you follow the logic of the creation pattern, and man was made in its kind, you're kind of waiting for that statement. It's not there. It should be but it's not. It's not like it just kind of came out of some other animal of its kind. But do you see the switch? And man has said, let us make out of our image. So what kind are we made out of? We are made out of God kind. And don't ever, ever confuse yourselves for one second to think that you become a God but we're made out of the character and the being and the love and the beauty of great one almighty God. All that he possesses poured into our lives so that we would reflect his character. Look what else happens in the creation account. God created and he speaks to humans. I want you to go and fill the earth. I want you to multiply. I want you to rule over. I want to subdue. I bless you in this. Now, he does a blessing over the animals earlier on, but don't miss this. He does not say, he does not speak to the animals, does he? This scripture is very clear, and he said to them, go and fill the earth. It's unique creation. There is communion and communication with the Almighty. That's how we're different And we're made to live out this relationship with our Creator. Ephesians 4.24 says we are created to to put on the new self, created to be like God. Again, a representation in the image of. And His character in Ephesians 4.24 is be like God in true righteousness, right? Living truth that comes from Him. And in holiness that we are set apart unto God. Colossians 3.10 says, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge 
and in the image of the Creator. We're being renewed in the image of the Creator. That's our sanctification work. We're becoming more and more like Jesus as He transforms our lives, as we're obedient to Him, as we listen to Him. And then the style of writing switches when He says, let us make them. God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, mankind. Male and female, He created them. The style of writing switches, doesn't it? It's poetic now. It's intentional. Let me point to you that the creation of us is different than everything else that I have created. I want you to see your value and your worth and your beauty before me. I will switch everything so that you understand as you read the Word of God, which is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. May it penetrate into your soul about the love of God for us. In the image of God, He created him, male and female. I love that from the very beginning of time, God's love for man and woman, from the very beginning of time, that man and woman are made equal in the image of God. Male and female, He created them. With all the beauty, you know what's so fun about being married is I watch these characteristics of my bride and how she lives in her, in her just tenderness and all these things I see in her that are fully female, and I go, ah, that's a beautiful character of God through my wife. And as she sees me live out my life as a man, she sees images of the reflection of the character of God, male and female, both made in the image of God. That's why it is cried out in Matthew, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together, how? As a hen, a mother hen, gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. That is fully feminine. That is fully beautiful that is fully God. There's a book out called The Shack, which is a good book, I think, but in the Christian community, it's made some stir. And part of the reason it has made a stir is because the God figure, Papa, is represented as a black woman. She shows up in the picture as Papa to love this man who is hurting as a black woman. And so the Christian community has, at least part of it, has been an outcry. How dare you represent God this way? First of all, it's not a theology book. It's a novel. Second of all, God is absolutely beautiful woman like that in his character. God chooses in the Bible to represent himself as a man. I know that. But his character, his makeup, has all the wonderful image. Every woman in this room that you see, that's part of the image of God and all her femininity. And every man you see, part of the image of God. And may we stop demeaning either. I get so fed up with these stupid beer commercials that, that, that make men look like they're absolute fools. You know, the woman comes in and, and she's in control and, and they're idiots and... They're, and not, not just beer commercials, and beer commercials damage women and their sexism. But what's happening, we're seeing the great shift, which is men are fools and can't do anything, and women can do everything. 
I think it's part of a reaction because men forever have put down women and just made them sex objects. But both is wrong before God. Because you're both beautifully made, male and female. And God has you not one above the other. We will see in the marriage relationship, we're going to get into a series on marriage coming up, about roles of marriage. We'll see that together. But in your creation, you are equal before God. Men, may we treat our wives with absolute dignity and respect. Wives, would we do the same? Male to female, may we stop joking and slamming each other's gender, but lifting up because you're valuable. You're not mocking each other and tearing each other down in our gender. And then God says, as he finishes up his pinnacle, and it must have been so fun for the Holy Spirit and the Son and and the Father, as they created everything, and and it kind of reminded me, I, I can imagine them sitting there and they've got, they're so excited to show this all to man. And it's kind of like this. I, 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 I see the Trinity going, and move that bus! Here! Enjoy! All that I have created for my absolute perfect creation, mankind, male, female, and now I want you to enjoy it and to rule over again, which means has authority, and I want you to subdue it, which means take it all and, and use it for your good. It's meant to be used, not to damage not to destroy. Use it. I've given it to you for purpose. Cultivate the land. Take those big oxes and use them to to drag a cart behind. They're for you. I think God just took great delight in saying, here's your new home. Enjoy it. Rule over. Have authority. And that we would do that in the image. We rule and we subdue in the image of God. Dear body of Christ, truly, may we not forget who we are in our creation. Absolutely valuable and beautiful before God. Amen?